0: yo 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 welcome to raise your vibration podcast i'm your host dustin rosada strap yourself in as we dive deep behind the scenes of music culture health practices and a little bit of the esoteric so if you're a geek freak seeker artist or just want to learn what makes people tick this is for you In this episode, we will be diving into the music scene with longtime friend, DJ, musician, and a staple of the Boston community. Bob Diesel. He's been DJing since the 70s, and this episode, he talks about the DJ culture from back then and what it is now, how to get gigs, and what it takes to be in the industry. Keep it locked, and here we go.
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> and we are alive. Bob Diesel and myself, Dustin Rosada, doing a little just talk podcast style type thing. Um, yeah, without further ado, how you doing, Bob?
1: I'm good. Good like Hollywood.
0: Go ahead and um, hold the, the microphone. So what we got going on right here is some classic lo-fi microphones. Um, these are M8s. They're from the 60s gone for 10 bucks. I see it would be fitting for a uh, a DJ house conversation. So, Bob, my first question is, what got you into
1: DJing? Um it was a radio DJ. He wasn't like too much of a radio personality like now. He was a DJ, Frankie um, Frankie Crocker. Yep, in New York and WBLS. Yeah. So I got into Frankie Crocker because he played a wide variety of music. He was like the music director as well. Mm-hmm. So he played, you know, very new and contemporary stuff. He played uh, Latin on Sunday, mm-hmm. which uh, his show shut down all the other Latin radio stations in New York. Nice. That's how good he was. So the music that he played, he played anything that was funky and soulful and and, in real you know and danceable Mm -hmm. so uh he even played one record that i just had to run out to the store and get i bought the whole album because it wasn't a a single only like on a 45 was eminence front by the who yeah and he played that it was like tremendous and it it just he just caught me and i knew that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be a dj cool and what year was that? So it was. Wow, um, I must have been 11, um, and I started when I was 13. So 76, like maybe 74. Ooh, nice. 73. Well, it's like
0: DJing, like culture back in the 70s, like.
1: It was, it was good because of the fact that you really on the radio you really had DJs. They weren't personalities, yep. and they have the, the, the producer. Yeah. Or the engineer played the music, Yeah, you know, and they talk. It was like they played, they talked, they interviewed. It was the whole nine yards. Yeah. So they did it all. It's not like now, you know.
0: Yeah. And yeah, now it's anyone can play. It's such easy entry. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine, like, in the 70s, it was, like, kind of a mystery. How do you even get into the DJ culture? How do you start DJing, like? Yeah. Um do you have like a friend that DJ'd or
1: I I had a few um and you know they had simple stuff, you know, a mixer, two mm-hmm. turntables, you know, that's when techniques were like the the tam- just like now, the turntable to get. And um it was you know, it was a simple mixer. Mm-hmm. And you know, DJed in the house. Yeah. You know? So it wasn't like we're playing in clubs and and so on. So it was, uh, you know, and you 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 get your bones from that, you know, and and you eventually do little small parties, you know, and and functions and and so on. So it it gravitates to more of a professional uh, level after a while.
0: Yeah. What city were you in?
1: New York, I was in Manhattan. Keep it up
0: to I was in Manhattan. Manhattan? Yeah. Well it was like the big club
1: then. Oh, it was a bunch of you, you know, you had um, you had Studio fifty four naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh you had regimes so that was like more of a high end club. You um You had um, Hippopotamus, you had, um, uh, wow, I could just go on. That was like in the 70s, but I I really didn't go out like that because I was too young. Yeah. You know, so, but, I mean, I knew about the clubs from what, you know, from hearing and stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, Leviticus, that was like a famous club uh, in downtown New York. Yeah. Yeah. it, you know, it was quite a few, quite a few. Yeah, so like, when uh,
0: finding out about the clubs or finding out about nights, like, how'd that go about, like, how'd you hear about, like, what was popular, what was not?
1: On the radio, that that's, radio. that was our thing, it was no internet, you know, the you know, the radio and word of mouth, you know. Yeah. And that, that was basically it. So, you know, a lot of these discos would, advertised on the radio so and so is going to be there so and so is is the dj and it Mm -hmm. wasn't really guest djs like there is now Mm -hmm. you know it was like one guy and he you know that was his residency you know the only um time it was like that like if you were in a record pool and you know you wanted to have your friend play you know or like oh you know my wife is sick You know, can you play this gig? Or I'm gonna be out of town. Can you play my night or whatever? Mm -hmm. It it wasn't like it is now where you have a lot of traveling DJs.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like, for you getting into the clubs, like how how did you go about it? Like in those days, like how did you like get your gigs? Record pool. Okay.
1: Like my first, my first actual big gig was at uh, Empire Roller Drone in Brooklyn. Okay, keep this up. And I was uh, 13. Yeah, and after Damn. that, and after that, um, uh, it was uh, you know teen discos and, and so on. Yeah, and then eventually I got to play you know at, at a uh, you know a, adult night at the it, same club. Yeah. You know. So it was um, 2001, not the 2001 in Saturday Night Fever. That was in Brooklyn. That was a real club. Okay. But in in Iceland, it was in. Um, in Central Isla, yep, Long Island. Yeah. So, I got to play the adult nights as well. Okay. When uh, the other DJ wasn't playing. And then, you know, then I got into other clubs. And like, adult nights were just like, there was a certain age limit? Grown folks, I mean, it wasn't a teen night, you know? Okay. And back then, the drinking age was 19. Okay. It wasn't 21 or 18, like you know, like now, so. Yeah, so I got into you know got into that and you know from the record pools they give you different you know different avenues to play and you know uh, play gigs and you know find other uh, resources for mm-hmm. uh, music because they send you all the music so basically at most you get records upwards of maybe four months before it's played on the radio oh. so pool DJs that's basically our job to work work the music into the program. Okay. You know, all the new the new music you try to work, work it into the into the night to push the record. So that's what the, the record pools are for. Where the promo got, you know, we get all the promos and mm. we push all that stuff. So the 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 breakdown to that is um we'll play the music enough so so as which if when it's played on the radio you're more familiar with it mm-hmm. and then when you probably frequent out to the clubs you probably hear it in the club and then that would make you want to buy it oh, yeah. so it wasn't like an mtv type of formula but it's almost the same for as which the videos would would trigger everything and then you'd want to buy the music totally. you know.
0: Like um so when you were playing in the 70s were you playing disco or was like house yeah. starting
1: to get familiar? Well, I mean it was disco and yeah. rap music was new. Yep. You know, so it was very few songs but you played a lot of uh, well, basically um disco is just danceable R&B. That's mm-hmm. basically what it is. So you'd get a lot of these other songs that you would play, you know, like the OJs and, you know, a lot of the Philly sound and so on. So that was, that was the trend, you know? Yeah. So you'd hear a lot of this stuff and then, you know, you hear a lot of the other, you know, you know, uh, Euro disco and, you know, certain things like that. So it was, you know, it was, you know, uh, you know, it was adventurous, you know, you'd get all this music and you try to fit it in, mm. you know? yeah totally
0: so like um when do you feel like uh like you were starting
1: to see like house come to new york i'd say about uh 81 82 okay yeah that's when we you know really captured this you know the sound you know you had a lot of other different sounds but it was like a few records that were out that made you identify to house music Mm. you know so it was it was uh it was new it's just like anything else you know it's fresh and new and people are you know inquisitive yeah you know who's the artist who's the who's the uh does the singer or the dj that yeah put it together you know
0: what was like the big records in the eighties, like that were being played all the time?
1: I think um, mm, um You don't know it's by yeah. serious intention. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big call and response record. So that made it fun for everybody to really reach out and you know grasp it. And the just the sound of of that uh of the, the the bass line and all that and, and you know the the keys and stuff that was that was just coming to fruition that type of thing like mm. gospel uh you know tinkly pianos and and so on yeah and in the different synths so synth sounds
0: yeah you're we were talking before this like about the juno being everything yeah
1: the juno 60 the juno 80 yeah and that that's like more or less where they were getting that real heavy, Chicago and like Jersey type mm-hmm. sound, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. What what else like? What were the big synths that people were using in the eighties? Uh,
1: the sixty, the eighty, yeah, um, the um, the um, fifty. I forget what the the nomenclature to the the, the letters. Um, the Roland something 50, I, f- I forget, the keyboard. Yep. So that that was basically it. Cool. Roland was a big part of a lot of house music.
0: Everything, yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. say
1: Roland and, and, and Korg. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, totally. The two ones I told totally you I used. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I got the Juno 106, and then I got the Korg M1 on the computer, you know, got the samples. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, cool. If you were to, like dissect like I don't know the biggest differences from like 80s, 90s, and like now, what would what would be like the biggest difference in like the DJ culture?
1: Well, everybody wants Keep to be a, to your mouth. everybody wants to be a DJ now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just as well in the seventies because it was a, a new thing. Thing. Okay. And I think it's more of a, a resurgence now. Yeah. Because of uh these festival DJs and so on. And a lot of people they're just out, you know, for the fame. Yeah. You know, totally. they love the music but they're out for the more for the fame and You can you hear know, it too. Yeah. And you know, and playing people's parties and stuff like that. you know just to be you know a popular thing but uh you have to really live it yeah you you have to live it and really be in it to you know do your homework listen to different sounds and different trends yep you know new music that's that's being come that's coming in that's sent to you or you purchase yeah so it's a lot of homework it's a lot of you know just uh inquisitiveness yeah have to really be inquisitive to really want to know and go further with with what you're doing
0: do you feel like uh back in like the 80s and 90s like you had to rely more on like your friends for like songs and stuff like that or
1: well fortunately i was in a pool yep so when i was in the pool when i was in the record pool i mean you get all of this stuff and then you know certain producers Yep. So it, you get these records, they give you a record, you know, push this. Yeah. Y- you know, uh promo records, you know. Yep. yep. Put you know, can you push this, Bob, can you play this? You know, to push the late you know, push the label or push the artist or you know, the producer.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um Yeah. Actually, What comes to mind is, um, like, now um, was, like, when was, like, the big transfer of, like, promoting was more online versus, like, when, like, uh, when you get together at, like, let's say raves, like, underground raves or whatever, like, um, how is that promo, like, for people that don't know, how is that, like promo like you call in to a certain place or yeah
1: those were like a lot of the big raves they would they would do stuff like that and and at that point i think the rave culture they were a little bit more together and organized yeah because you would have a party let's say in connecticut yeah and you look at these flyers and they were like double the size of a regular flyer, which is what five five by seven yeah yeah so they'd be double that size and you'd have numbers and contacts from many different states Yep. you know from the people that's promoting those parties yeah so it's a little bit different now because now it's a lot of stuff is online back then it was basically flyers i mean we still do flyers yeah uh but it was i think back then the 80s 90s that was that was the thing because, you know, it, MySpace had, had started, and I forget this other uh, this other um, social media platform. So it wasn't it wasn't like now, you yep. know. You have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, uh, what is the thing? Snapchat. You know, you yeah. have all this stuff. Yep. So you could hit up any one of those and just keep it moving totally you so know, easy or do it or do it all together and then you have people that are um street team people yeah that do the flyers and then you have people that just promote us online like um in new york robbie yeah he's like um been like a top promoter for like over over five six years mm-hmm. and that's what he does he just promotes the they pay him to promote These parties, and he has a huge mailing list. Yep. And he promotes. So,
0: totally. It's like almost like a that's kind of the cool thing about like back in the day. Well, what I imagine, anyway, is like it's like a venture, like to actually get to the party. Yeah. And yeah, it's like you got to know the right person, you got to meet at the right place. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Especially that was like that in England, you know. And when I went, it was they'd have parties off the side of the highway. Yep. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And people would be in the woods and they have like big light shows and everything. It wasn't like, you know, some car lights and, and, you know. And no, this was like, I mean, huge sound systems, lights, staging yep. off the side of the highway. And these were all like illegal, you know? Yeah. And you'd, you'd call one number and you you have to meet at this phone booth. And you get the information there, call this number from there. And then you do this and do that, and you finally get to the party. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And enough people go, you know, they see you at a phone booth or whatever, whatever. Are you going to this party? It's like, yeah. And they, you know, and it was easier to go. Yeah. But that was like, I've I've only been to two. Yeah. In England. here here, um, I've been... To um a few, but they were legal mm-hmm. uh when I lived in New York um Eddie, Eddie uh, van Raven
0: yeah I know him
1: he yep. was the resident at caffeine in Long Island oh okay. yeah and th- that was that's when the rave music was good. it's not like now yeah he didn't play any junk you know it was it was it was appetizing it yeah it really was it's not like now. And he had control of that place. Yeah, and, you know, and DJ it was Dan, raid, Frankie Bones. Yeah, yeah, Frank, Frankie Bones from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, he he's another guy. Yeah. You know that people follow, and still to this day. Yeah. You know, he has a lot of old school people following, but they have a lot of the newer people that come and check out his thing. You know, the Brooklyn techno—that was all him. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah.
0: Super cool. Um, one of the things actually. So Bob, he actually makes custom headphones. Um, what got you into that? Uh, he's got the one ear, one ear things.
1: Well, um, it's this guy from, from um Jersey named yeah. Wang, and he made headphones specifically for Tony Humphries. Oh okay. yeah. And you know I, learned a lot from from him. Okay. And a lot of people. We're just like and why do you have one headphone i said because it's better you don't have to drive the cups up yeah. one you don't have to keep switching them around mm-hmm. you know two it's better to hear the monitors you know you can you know clearly hear the monitors and hear what you need to hear yeah for transitioning yeah and, and that's that you know it's just one one piece and that's that what made
0: you like want to make them though like
1: people ask oh okay people ask you know yeah. And uh, they're going, oh, you know, yeah, that would be cool. I said, yeah, I, I can make them. You know, I make them. Really? Yeah. And then uh, it just started from there. So, uh. and, and I started doing them like 99, uh, 2000. Okay. Till now. What do you do? Like,
0: do you, where do you get the parts and things like that?
1: Well, a lot of people, to save money, they give me their broken headphones. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, the other people, they request a headphone a certain brand you know and then i just you know just transform it yeah you know it's all custom i can do logos i can do different color leds yeah paint jobs yeah um, bling them out
0: yeah what are some of the big names that you've made
1: headphones for (sighs) let me see (laughs) um I don't. I. I don't want to really go okay. that far, <laughs> but it's all by like really word of mouth. Yeah. But um, I made one for my buddy um, Quincy Vaughn in Jersey. Okay. And uh, Little Ray yeah. in Brooklyn. hmm Uh, you know, it's like a few people. G Day Max. He's um, well, he was in New York. Now he's in Arizona. Um, who else? It's just like a whole slew of people, you know. Yep. So. Cool. I made one for Bruno. Okay, Bruno. Yep.
0: So Bruno is a, a local legend in the Boston scene. Back in uh, why am I drawing a blank? What was the in the '90s? The,
1: yeah, he was. What's what's was, what's, a, full, what's it, place it, called? The loft. Loft. Yeah. The loft yeah. in Boston.
0: Yeah. 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 Totally. Were you involved with a lot of the Loft stuff or were you in New York No,
1: actually I wasn't. Um, It was another club that was an after hours in Cambridge called Club M. Okay. So every now and then I would open for G Day, G Day Max. Okay, cool. And yeah, so that was a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little different than the Loft. Yep. You know, you had more of a Semi younger crowd in the in the loft and a semi older crowd at Club M. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I
0: want to uh, get into your brain a little bit and ask you, what is you know three tips or uh, some good advice that you can give for DJs who are want to get in the scene or up and coming? Well, one.
1: Uh, don't really talk about other DJs willy nilly, big time. Yep, uh, really good. You know, try to share. You know, share the love, and whatever genre or type of party you're gonna play, because you know if you you know you have to don't limit yourself because you can play. Any, any genre, you know, besides just playing the one genre that you play. Maybe that, yeah. you know, can help along. And I think most importantly, like, if you d- do DJ and you kind of become established, try to look at the crowd. You know, a lot of these guys they get a playlist, mm-hmm. and they go, "Oh, this is it. I these are all them. killer tracks." Yeah. And I'm just gonna play these, and they don't look up. They don't even care. Yeah. To see the crowd because. Or feel them. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to be one with them, and they have to be one with you. Yep. Because you're telling a story. That's what you have to try to do: is is tell a story with your music, yep. so they can follow you. Yep. So they can get on the path you're on. And. If you don't, and you see these people just looking at their phones or they're just standing around, you know it's it's not good. They're not entertained. Yep. You know, for the most part, a lot of people don't don't come to stand around.
0: No, totally.
1: You know, you have a few people that are voyeurs, and they'll look and just to participate, but and yet they're still involved. But you have to please them too. Yeah. They don't. Maybe they don't dance. They don't like to dance, but they like to listen. But you have to please them too. Yeah. So by and large, a lot. Of, like I said, you have to look at the crowd because you could have people stagnant, and if you just keep looking down and you're not paying attention to them, it, it's it's like you're disrespecting them. Yeah. You know, and and play what's on the flyer. What you you know they they booked you for, or if it's your party, you know, play what's on the flyer, what, what's going to be yeah. played, you know, when you, you know, because a lot of DJs, they see, like, another crowd coming in and they're not apt to it, mm-hmm. you know, they, they. It's, it's just, you know, they'll switch up the music and, you know, we have to teach them. I always hear this, oh, we got to teach them. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. When they come in, and they hear all what's going on; they'll learn. Yep. Because they're gonna—they're listening already. it's you know they just have to—you know—they—they—they could hear, but you have to make them listen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great difference. Yep. You know, you could hear something. I feel
0: like it takes time. It takes yeah. time as a DJ to yeah. start like really feeling the crowd, and yeah. it's like deeper than just like plain tracks and plain tracks. It's like there's something that you feel, and like then. You know, like somebody in the crowd might influence you and you just see them. Yeah, and just
1: like... you have to, you know, what what I do and a lot of other DJs do, the people that we know or we don't know and we see them really dancing, if they kind of stop and they're not tired, yeah, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to always try to, if even if it's a regular, you always have to try to target a few regulars
0: oh yeah totally because they're the amplifiers of the dance floor and they're they're going to get everyone else going if
1: they and it's not only that (laughs) because they're feeling it and the other people that don't know they'll find out by just by watching them so it's not necessarily like they're the party starters but they're the keeper of the flame to keep the flame going yeah you know so absolutely that's how I look at
0: it. So really good advice. Really good advice for people uh, or DJs who are coming up. Just figure out how to hone that skill. It's not just about playing the tracks. It's uh, really feeling out the crowd. That's a that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. So what is... Uh, we already kind of touched on one bad thing, but what would be a big no-no on a DJ, like for a DJ set that you should not do whatsoever, if you can think of one?
1: Well disrespect your patrons Mm -hmm. um a lot of people they ask oh if the booth is low enough and it's cordial to the to the space uh, you know could you play this could you play that Mm -hmm. could you play this and i i i you know i'll play it if i have it
0: yeah no requests people
1: you know no i I take requests if Uh. you know if, if if i have it and if it fits the format of what I'm playing because Mm -hmm. I played all kind of parties, you know, and some people know me for playing this, or some people know me for playing that, and some people know me for playing the other stuff. So, you know, you always have those people that follow you. Oh, can you, you know, so you have to please people, but again, just play what's on the fly, you know? And if you have it and, you know, it fits the mood and it fits the format, then, you know, you can honor them and and play it.
0: yeah absolutely cool it's good stuff um now i'm I'm gonna you know flip the script from the dj world to like what's going on right now and um really some some of this heaviness just from this past couple weeks of uh oh my god just watching you know george floyd's video um today i watched Chappelle's like video just talking about it too and that that just got me to tear up and really feel it um One of the
1: when when the woman was heckling him.
0: No, Chappelle uh, put out a video yesterday. He did like almost like a concert. It was it was pretty interesting, and um, it was just on a much more serious tone. And you know, he's dressing Floyd from, you know, the the amount of time and and you know a little bit about Candace Owens. And uh, what do you think about Candace?
1: I don't. Yeah. You know it's. She. she, It's unfortunate, not because she's black and I'm a black man. Yep. It's unfortunate that she says these things that are so outlandish, that that may I won't say it makes no sense, but very little. Yeah. And she she's trying to perpetuate that to other people, and she's trying to to downplay a lot of a lot of this. Rhetoric that's going on totally. And it's like It it makes no sense You know Like when she Downplayed George uh, Floyd
0: Yeah How he's a criminal
1: Freeman yeah, that he, way he, he, yeah. You know And from what I understand He was the security Guard at this club And the officer That killed him Knew him And they always Had a conflict mm. So I don't know if he I, I mean I didn't look Into it that much To see if he had A criminal record You know Yeah or or even parking tickets. But the guy he killed him. You know, it's like he didn't even check his pulse and he was just on him and he just had the plainest look on his face. Like yep. it's like it's no big deal. Yep. You know, and the video doesn't lie. It's like two or three people from different angles and they have angles from stores across the street oh, for yeah. what happened and yeah. and you know video doesn't lie. Unless it's it's all if somebody doctors it, but it, it all seems to align from every video. The people that were in, in the street, the bystanders, yeah, you know, and and the videos from these different stores and uh, uh, street uh, street uh, poles or uh, you know night night uh, lamp posts and and so on. They so I mean it's 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 bad that she she sees all this, just like everybody else, but yet. He's a criminal it's like okay you know that if, if he was what did he do then you know they said it was a counterfeit bill I've never seen anybody get killed for a counterfeit, counterfeit bill mm-hmm. he, um and and I didn't see in any of the videos where he resisted yet they wrote him up as resisting arrest and you know and so on and some of the videos show them beating them up in in the in the car, mm-hmm. you know that, that they put them in, you know. So it's like, it, it it's, I I just can't see it, you yeah. know. I mean, if you look at their statutes, you know, does that warrant for him to have all that, all of that happening to him, you know, to throw mm-hmm. him down, and suffocate him with your knee, yeah, you know. I, I mean, that's with someone. If it's counterfeit, you just take him to the station, and you have somebody checking. You know, they'll probably call the FBI people to see if it's real, and they'll question him where he got it from, and all this. It's like, it's it's. I hate to say, it, but it, it's a dead issue. Mm. He's dead, and the the whole issue's dead. You know, it's like it's 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 horrible. Yeah, it is. You know, and plus, you know, I I they'll probably people probably bite me in the ass for this but you know there are a lot of good cops yeah nationwide totally and there's a lot of bad ones you have to dissect and find out the bad ones but yet it spoils for all these other ones mm-hmm. you know and it's 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 dangerous because now these cops they're getting stuff thrown at them and you know for for little or no reason but yet we see a lot of these peaceful demonstrations mm-hmm. and these guys are just waiting to beat up somebody yeah. you know so it's it's just tricky on both ends and you know it's just it's just a horrible time that we're in you know
0: absolutely and with like there's there's good cops back offs and like you know some get wrapped up get wrapped up in like the mentality maybe because like who you hang out with represents what you are. And like, you know, some of them might get in that frame of mind to like accept some of these things that go on and that's what needs to switch. And, and, um, you know, it seems like things are changing right now as as we speak, you know, the kids, the young, thank God for the young guys protesting, you know, and, uh,
1: I, I went to three, you know, and, um, yeah, The last one I went to, these kids were, like, very young, like, in their early teens. Yeah. And they organized the whole thing. I didn't see one person that was, you know, maybe at least hitting 20 that organized this thing. Okay. But it's a lot to learn from them, too, because I I noticed um, some people going, you know, talking about – uh, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, you know mm-hmm. the, and how come they're not marching and stuff like that, and this was even from from the garner case, yeah, yeah, you know, and m- another d j friend of mine that's in my in the group we have essence mm-hmm. Chris London, and he heard that and we were talking about it he goes man he he said he says, man, those guys are like close to eighty years old he goes why do they have to march he goes they they laid the path for us to follow yeah it's up to the younger people to carry on that you know what what's you know the movement of in of, and, in and, and the message absolutely but you know a lot of people they're just caught up in their own agendas and they're not really following the agenda that they should you know Mm-hmm. It's uh yeah, it's really easy to get
0: lost in um, what you should and shouldn't be doing, and I, I'd say in this movement too, everyone kind of takes their own part, you know. Yeah. And uh, whether you're you're talking on online here, or if you're out in the streets, or you're talking to your family, or you're just diving a little deeper to like just getting to know the, the what's happening, the issue. Yeah. And, um, it, it's all important. You know. Yeah,
1: you know, they just people just have to listen. I, I've seen this shirt that I really thought that was cool. It's, uh, we... we um, what is it? Um, we march... No. We talk, you complain. We sit, you complain. Mm-hmm. We stand, you you complain we protest you complain you kill us you're silent mm. and which is like wow you know it's really powerful which is which is true people just have to listen you know all the way around nobody listens and this is what happens they you know people riot and uh, you know it's sad to say but it gets people's attention yeah you know and absolutely people People, you know, I, I'm not down to destroy anybody's property or, no. or, you know, or loot. But people people get tired, yeah. you know. And you, you have, again, uh, you know, I, I'm not down to bust up a store to just get some Nikes. No, yeah. Or a big screen, you mm-hmm. know. It's like you, you lose the message. It's like that's, you know, this, this message that people are trying to put forth, it's going to, it's going to be, I wouldn't say on deaf ears, but it's going to just be a half ass because, you know, you're trying to put out this message. And meanwhile, these people are, are looting and burning mm-hmm. and they're, they're focusing on that. So it's like, okay, so you're complaining about this, this, and this, but look what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, And it's, it's, it's fruitless. Yeah. It's nothing's going to get done. You know, you're going to have a big screen TV, you're going to have Nike's and and then what? Yep.
0: Yeah. Then what? Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. It's 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 nothing. Yeah.
0: Know? It's tough cuz you know, certain people the that that mentality dilute, you know, you're in you're in a dark place where you have to do some you have to dive through the glass. I don't know. You, you, there's a feeling that you're doing something wrong. It's and a
1: lot of soul searching. I'm yeah. listen. I'm not that guy. Yeah. I, you know they could do whatever. I'm not that guy. Yeah. You know, I. I you know, I'm too cute for jail. <laughs> End of story. I'm not. Me and Bubba will not get along. <laughs> no. You know. Yeah, you better stay out then. Yeah. You know. And then, and then you know. Then you have people spray painting on people's businesses and stuff like that and okay how is that going to help yeah you know how is that really going to help it's it's still damage yep you know it maybe it's a little bit more uh minute than than burning and busting up windows and looting yep but it, it's it's not gonna do anything. It's just like the burning and the looting. It's not gonna do anything. It it'll bring attention. Yep. But but that's about it. You that's, know. And the, and the thing is, uh, you y, you know a lot of these people it, they're doing this in their neighborhood. They should have learned from Rodney King. These people burned up everything and 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 stole and all this stuff mm-hmm. right in their neighborhood, and now. These a lot of these people that have kids, they need milk, they need this, that, and the other thing. So now they gotta go way out of town Mm -hmm. to go get the stuff that was right there. Yeah. Yep. So when they so when I heard here in Boston when they were doing that on Newberry Street, I wasn't I I mean, I was surprised. Mm -hmm. But I really didn't feel as much as it would be for a little mom and pop store. Mm-hmm. Because Armani and all these other places, you know, uh, Ugari, they got all their places boarded up. So all these high-end places have their, you know, it's like I, I don't feel that bad because, it's again, it's not a mom and pop store. These are big corporations. They're designers. Mm-hmm. You know? So it, it, is it like is it like Dustin's bodega? Yeah. It's not. You know, it's you 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 know these little places are probably struggling for insurance and this and that and totally. and theft you know they have to assess all that theft and you know what they call shrinkage and all of that and and now you know this looting and burning and and, and stuff it's like it, it's a whole different agenda they probably got insurance but it's gonna hit them harder mm-hmm. these other people it's a big write-off
0: yeah yeah,
1: It's a big, you know, it's not a little store, Yeah. you know. So these employees there, yeah, they may lose their job for a little bit. But, you know, these other people, they, they lose, they're liable to lose their business. Yeah. You know, so people say, "Oh, well, you shouldn't. I say, well, it's the truth. You know, I don't feel as bad. I really don't. I mean, you know, if they want to say I'm wrong. That's fine. I mean, it's my opinion. I you know, I I can't say that it's it's not a fact because it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, smaller businesses they struggle more than than these big places. You oh, know?
0: absolutely, yeah.
1: So I I I didn't feel like I said I didn't feel as bad as a, a, a you know these little places. That's that's yeah. it.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. And um, to actually wrap this up, Bob, um, I got a question for you. Yes. So, if you were to go back in time, in a time machine, to, let's say, your eight-year-old self, what would you tell them?
1: Talk to myself? Yep. Yeah. What advice? Um, the same thing that my parents used to just say is just listen. Yeah. You know, you listen, you learn. Mm-hmm. Um that's why like when we had fam- family gatherings and stuff like that or parties. Uh I've always admired talking to the older people. Yeah. From just their stories and their history and all of that, you know, because it, it's interesting. You know, you're not you're you weren't around for that. Yep. But you wanna know, you know? Yeah. You know, versus now. Yeah. Which I think is cool, because if you think, like, our grandparents and great-grandparents, most of them, they, they grew up with, a, like, a phonograph, no TV, Yep. you know, the radios. Even back then, the high-end radios were, were crappy. Yeah. You know, it's not like now. So you got to think, they're listening to all that then, and it, it's cool, because you got to just think about what they've experienced, mm-hmm. you know? You 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 had people you know going to the moon. You have the uh, computers that were like several rooms mm-hmm. to like a small a small watch. You know, which is uh, they have computers on watches now. You know, calculators on watches. That you know you have. They're playing black cylinders. Now yeah. we're playing CDs and and. I even drives. see the thumb
0: drives now. Yeah. You know,
1: you know, so all this history that was missed that we don't know. Oh yeah. that they could tell us about. We've heard, you know, oh, and we've seen, but we don't accurately know. Yeah. You know, we could Google stuff, but this is the horse's mouth totally. You know, which is I think which is more much more interesting. Yeah. You know, because you're getting it from a person that really went through it, not a person that studied it and just right. putting it on, online. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which I think is cool because you could sit back and just listen to these people, mm-hmm. you know, through, through everything, all their experiences. You yeah. Know? And it, I I think it was cool. I just, I love that, you know. Yeah. Just listen. That's it.
0: You heard from Bob Diesel. <laughs> You guys just listen, and I can, yeah, I totally agree with that. There's so many different things that you can learn, and just, it could be any situation. Don't judge because they have a PhD or whatever it is. like, there's some great insight that can come from anybody. You meant the
1: common guy.
0: Yeah. All right, Bob. So, without further ado, thank you for um, doing this podcast. We're going to play some music in a little bit um where can people find you
1: uh you can go to my website bobdiesel.com. yep i'm on facebook i'm on instagram i'm on twitter i'm on soundcloud and i'm on mixcloud cool and uh hopefully to a club
0: near you once uh
1: yeah once this is over yeah we can get back to business
0: yeah that'd be cool all right so um we're going to make the transition and go from there. So I'm going to open this up for you. I'll let you walk by. And that is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the Raise Your Vibration podcast. If you'd like more information, just um, tune in. Shoot me a message on uh, Dustin Rosada on Instagram or Facebook or SoundCloud.com slash Dusty Digital to hear other groovy tracks like the one you're hearing right now. That's it. Reach out, give a share, give a shout. Love to hear from you.
1: And love to uh, connect with you. Peace.